0: me some, but drops of grief can ne'er repay the
1: are you glad he loves us tonight? Amen. Let's remain standing for a word of prayer. Good to have all of you with us, and we appreciate you being here in our midweek service. Bobby Lawler, if you would lead us in prayer, please. Yes. Amen.
2: Yes. Amen. Let's
0: keep on singing. I'm so glad that Jesus loves me. I am so glad that my Father in heaven tells of his look in the book he has given wonderful things in the bible i see this is the dearest that jesus loves me i am so glad that jesus loves me jesus loves me jesus loves me i am so glad that jesus loves me jesus loves even me we not know that one or what I just, um, our mouths aren't moving fast enough or what I, it's a little bit faster was it not on the screen uh-oh it's not on the screen well let's do this let's find a book page 542 we thought it was going to be up there it's page 540 we're going to do that first first I knew something was wrong because everybody's looking around thought they're trying to read lips I couldn't figure out how fast that, It's like my band class the kids look up the, the trying to move their fingers like everybody else's Let's do that first one again because it's a good song. Page 542 on the first now. I am so glad that our Father in heaven tells of his love in the book he has given Wonderful things in the Bible I see This is the dearest that Jesus loves me I am so glad that Jesus loves me Jesus loves me, Jesus loves me. I am so glad that Jesus loves me. Jesus loves even me. All the last now. Oh, if there's only one song I can sing when in his beauty I see the great king, this shall my song in eternity be. Oh, what a wonder that Jesus loves me. I am so glad that Jesus loves me. Jesus loves me. Jesus loves me. Jesus loves me. I am so glad that Jesus loves me. Jesus loves me. That course again. Now sing. I am so glad that Jesus loves me. Jesus loves me. Jesus loves me. I am so glad that Jesus loves me. Jesus loves even me.
1: Amen. Thank you, maybe. Amen. Set of ushers come forward to receive her offering. Everything you give tonight goes in support of the Bible Conference, so let me encourage all of you to give and, and to be generous in your giving on Wednesday night. If you have not signed up for the uh, family conference, you can do so tonight. We just need to know tonight because we've got to get all the numbers in tomorrow. But uh, this is for everybody. This is for all the families, uh, couples, singles, It deals with a family legacy, our children, different things. So I hope that many of you participate in it. I know it'll be a real blessing. And, of course, Sunday we'll be having two special services uh, that deal with the family. So I'm looking forward to that. So you want to keep that in mind. Let's pray. Father, we thank you tonight for your love. And we thank you, Lord, for all you've done for us. Bless our giving tonight. May we give in response to that love. And I pray you'll use us tonight to meet the needs that exist. In Jesus' name. Amen.
2: It's my desire to live for Jesus, it's my desire just to
1: Let's take our Bible and turn to 1 Timothy chapter 4. The book of 1 Timothy chapter 4. And I do trust it is your desire uh, to live for the Lord. 1 Timothy 4. Next Wednesday night, we're going to begin in our Wednesday night services in our Bible class. We're going to begin looking at the tabernacle. And it's been a long time. Years ago, I preached and uh, went through the tabernacle, but it's been years. I'm talking about years. And I want to begin next Wednesday night. We'll try to get you a little flyer so that you can take notes and, and do a little things a little bit different on Wednesday night. So I hope that you'll make plans to be here for the next several Wednesday nights. And we'll begin looking at the tabernacle and learning from the Word of God. That's what we're here for, is to learn from the Word of God. Amen? In fact, that's one of the reasons I want you to look at this verse of Scripture tonight i preached from this verse a couple of times through the 14 years I have been here. It's been a number of years since I have done so. And I want you to look at the verse again because this is a verse, if there's any particular verse in the Bible that has had an impact in my life, it is this particular verse. Once in a while, someone will ask me to sign their Bibles. And when I do so, I always sign my name, and this is the verse of Scripture that I sign. It's kind of like a life verse that you might say. And for years, uh, one of my life verses was Psalm 62, 11. God has spoken once and twice Have I heard this, that power belongeth unto the Lord. But when I read across, ran across this verse and really got into this verse and studied this verse, it changed my whole perspective of what the ministry is all about. And this has become the verse that I have adopted as my life verse. I want you to stand And tonight I want us for just a few minutes to think about the Word of God in church, the Word of God in a church service. Now, we've come here tonight. I am fixing to read the Word of God, and I'm fixing to share with you the Word of God. Now, what is my responsibility, and what is your responsibility? We find that in 1 Timothy 4, 13, that Paul, he gives this instruction to Timothy. Look at it. 1 Timothy 4, 13, he simply says, "'Till I come.'" Give attendance to reading, to doctrine, to exhortation, or to exhortation to doctrine. Now, would you read that verse of Scripture with me? And we find in this verse here what I am to do with the Word of God in church. But we not only find in this verse what I am to do with the Word of God in church, but you also find in this verse what you're to do with the Word of God in church. Now, let's read it together. 1 Timothy four thirteen. Till I come... Give attendance to reading, to exhortation, to doctrine. Thank you. You may be seated. Let's pray, and then tonight we'll look at this one verse of Scripture and trust that we'll help you in your attitude toward the Word of God. Our Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you for all you've done for us. Tonight we've been reminded of your love, and Lord, we've been reminded because of what you've done for us that our desire should be to serve you and to follow you. Now, Father, we ask you now that you might bless our moments in the Word of God. Father, I pray that we'll put to practice the very thing we're looking at in the Scripture. I pray tonight that we'll learn to reverence the Word of God and to have an attitude toward the Word of God that we ought to have as so commanded by the Scriptures. Now, Father, I pray you'll bless our time together, that it'll be a profitable time, be a time, Lord, of reading, it'll be a time of uh, exhortation. It'll be a time of doctrine. I pray, Lord, that you will now open our hearts to your Word and we'll thank you and praise you for it is in the name of Jesus Christ we ask these things, amen. And when I come to 1 Timothy chapter 4, I am aware that the thrust of 1 Timothy chapter 4 is of being a good minister. You notice in verse 6 he said, But if thou, if thou put the brethren in remembrance of these things... Thou shalt be a good minister of Jesus Christ. Everything in chapter 4 is centered around being a good minister. I do want to remind you at the very beginning that when he talks about being a minister, he is talking specifically to Timothy, but he is involving every one of us. The word minister that is used there simply speaks of being a servant. He's talking about being a good servant of Jesus Christ. Being a good minister, a good servant of Jesus Christ. And the word conveys the idea of usefulness. And it implies that every believer should willingly pursue usefulness when it comes to the matter of the cause of Jesus Christ. So when we're talking about being a good minister, we're not talking about just being a good preacher, not just being a good missionary or being a good evangelist. We're talking about being a good servant of Jesus Christ, and that involves every one of us. Now, not everybody in the room tonight is a minister, such as what I am doing tonight, but every believer is a servant, and in that sense, you are a minister, and your desire should be to be a good minister of Jesus Christ. But in our text in 1 Timothy four thirteen, Paul was instructing Timothy, and he said, until I return, this is what I want you to do. And you find that he gives him instructions concerning three particular things that he wants Timothy to give careful attention to in his life. These three things I find not only as instructions to Timothy, but there are three things that I want to point out tonight that we're to give careful attention to in our lives and in particular when we come to church. Now, we put them on the screen, and these are the three things that he mentions. Number one, we're to give careful attention to the reading Number two, we're to give careful attention to doctrine or exhortation. And thirdly, we're to give attention to the matter of doctrine. Now, you notice the phrase there, he said, till I come, give attendance. He's, ta- he's away, and he-, he mentions a couple of times how he's going to return to Ephesus. And when he does so, there's certain things he's going to take care of. But until then, he says, Timothy, I want you to give attendance to reading, to doctrine, to exhortation. And same thing, he said, until I come, he said, I want you to give careful attention. For you see the word attendance there literally means to give attention to. And it is a command on Paul's part to Timothy. Timothy, this is my directive for you. This is my command to you until I get back. Now, I want you to give careful attention to these three things. And again, as we look at them, we see that they not only are specific words to Timothy, but there are also specific words to me and to you or to you and me as we think about the matter of the Word of God. Now, all three things that he talks about has to do with the Word of God. And what he talks about and what he's describing here is a public matter. It's not a private matter. He's not encouraging Timothy to be a good reader. He's not encouraging Timothy to be a good student, though that would be implied. So what he's talking about, until I get back, there is a public matter and there's certain things in the public worship that I want you to give careful attention to. And in the public services and in the worship services, I want you to give careful attention to the reading, to the exhortation, and to doctrine. Now, what is he talking about? What you have in verse 13 is instructions, you might say, to a minister and what he is to do with the Word of God in a church service. I find here in the the verse that spoke to my heart when I mentioned a moment ago how it impacted my life because it really said to me in essence, this is what my job is. This is my role, service after service after service. This is what I'm to be doing. It changed the whole way I looked at preaching. It changed the whole way I looked at my studying. It changed the whole way that I approached the ministry. Because what he tells Timothy, in essence, he's saying, Timothy, this is what you're to be doing when, you, when you're in your service, in the church services, in the church. This is what kind of preacher you're to be. But not only does he tell Timothy and me what kind of preacher I am to be, but he's also talking about the people and how they are to respond to the Word of God that is being given in a service. So you have an instructions that is given to the preacher, and you have an instructions that is given to the congregation. Now, what are we to do with the Word of God? What is the place of the Word of God in church? When we come on Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night, what is the place of the Word of God? And may I say, first of all, may I say this, that the Word of God is the most important thing that goes on in a church service. There's a lot of things that goes on in a church service, but nothing is more important than the Word of God that has been given. And nothing takes the place of the Word of God. That's why I believe that services ought to be centered around the Word of God. That's why in many churches, you'll find pulpits on one side, but in a Baptist church, you find the pulpit right in the very center. You know why that is? Many years ago, the Baptists put the pulpit in the center because they wanted to say that the Word of God is the center of everything that goes on in the worship service. That's why the pulpit sits in the middle, and you're facing the middle there because the Word of God is important. Nothing takes the place of the Word of God. But how should we approach the Word of God in His service? I want you to look at these three words, and I'll just point out three simple things tonight. The first one has to do with our listening to the Word. The first one has to do with our listening to the Word, for He talked about the matter of reading, the matter of reading. Now, let me just say this. When He talks about reading, He is not talking about reading books. I think everybody ought to be a reader. Everybody ought to read. And you say, but I don't love reading. Reading, the love for reading is something you develop in your life. And you say, well, I don't have time to read. You need to make time to read. Reading is an input in your life. Spiritual growth involves you reading. You ought to learn to read. You ought to spend time reading. And you ought to develop a love for reading. It gives that input. It's the way God speaks to you through reading His Word and many different things. But He's not talking about reading, such as you having a love to read books. When He talks about reading here, there's a definite article there. It would read this way, give attendance to the reading. He's talking about a particular type of reading, Till I come, this is what I want you to do. Give attendance to these three things. One of them is I want you to give careful attention to the reading. What is he talking about? The words that are used here implies that he's talking about the public reading of the Word of God. Now, I know that we don't make a big deal about the reading of the Scriptures in a church service, but I want to say to you tonight that as far as Paul was concerned, one thing that you were to be very serious about is when the Word of God is read in a church service. He said, till I come, one of the things I want you to continually give attention to is the reading of the Scriptures in the the services there. Now, just an early church there, the reading of the Scriptures had a very, very important part in it. They read a lot and spent a lot of time reading the Scriptures, and, and those who read the Scriptures spent a lot of time preparing them to read in the Scriptures. But he has a word to say about the reading of the Word of God in the, in the services. I want you to turn to Nehemiah chapter 8. Now, we may not think it's a very important matter, but I want you to notice an example in Nehemiah of the public reading of the Scriptures. In Nehemiah chapter 8, I want you to begin reading me, with me in verse 1 and notice the place that the public reading of the Scriptures had. And I find in this a great example, and this example here uh, let, paved the way for a tradition that I have when we read the Scriptures here. But in Nehemiah chapter 8, you notice beginning in verse 1 that the Bible said, "...and all the people gathered themselves together as one man." into the street that was before the water gate. And they spake unto Ezra the scribe to bring the book of the law of Moses. So we know that what's about to happen has to do with the Bible, the word of God, the book of the law of Moses, which the Lord had commanded to Israel. Verse 2, And Ezra the priest brought the law before the congregation, both of men and women, and all that could hear with the understanding upon the first day of the seventh month. Look at verse 3. And he read therein before the street that was before the water gate from the morning until midday before the men and the women and those that could understand and the ears of the people were attentive under the book of the law. Now stop there for just a moment. You find that they brought out the law of God, the book of God, the word of God. And the Bible said from morning until midday for six hours they read the word of God. That's all they did. It wasn't preaching. It wasn't singing. There wasn't any kind of in breaks or whatever. But for six hours, Ezra read the Word of God. And the Bible said in Nehemiah 8.3 that the people were attentive unto the reading of the law. Now remember now, there's no preaching of it at this point. It's merely the reading of the law. They read the Word of God. Again, as I said a moment ago, I think sometimes we take it lightly the matter of reading the Word. But for six hours, they listened. But notice verse 4 and notice verse 5. And Ezra the scribe stood upon a pulpit of wood, just a raised platform. Notice down in verse 5, verse 4, now note verse 5. And Ezra opened the book in the sight of all the people, for he was above all the people. And when he opened it, all the people stood up. Now, that may not be an important matter to some people, but it says something to me about the attitude they had about the Word of God being read. For six hours, they read the Word of God. And for six hours, the people were attentive to the Word of God. But here's what they did when they read the Bible. When Ezra got up on his pulpit or got up on his raised platform, his diocese there, and began to read the Scripture, the people stood. And they stood in reverence of the Word that was being read. This was not just an ordinary book. This was not just anything else, some other book or letter or whatever. This was the Word of God. And when they stood, they were demonstrating how they felt about the Word. This is God's Word. This is the Holy Word of God. This is a divine Word. Therefore, they stood in acknowledgement of that Word, and they stood in reverence of the Word of God. Now, again, Paul tells us and tells Timothy as well as us that one of the things that we ought to do in a church service is to be very reverent of the Word of God, that we ought to reverence in, in a physical way, standing when the Word of God is read. That's why we do it here. Not everybody does it. I have no problem with anybody that doesn't do it. But we do it here because, one, this is not an ordinary book. This is the Word of God. And whenever this book is read publicly, we stand to acknowledge as believers that there's something different about that book. That is the Word of God. That come from God. We're going to reference that book, and we're going to honor that book. Just in the reading of the Word, there is to be a reverence to the Word of God, an acknowledgment that there is something special about the book. But there's something else he talked about. Not only did he talk about the matter of reading, which has to do with the public reading of the Scripture. But he also had a word to say about doctrine. And again, I the, know the word doctrine is the third word here. Paul's not giving an order. He's just giving what, he, what he, uh, he's commanding to take place in the service. But I want you to look at the word doctrine. Not only do we have a word here about our listening to the Word, honoring the Word of God, listening carefully to the Word that is read, but he also has something to say about our learning. That is, that we not only listen to the Word of God, but we also are to learn the Word of God. Now, you look at the word doctrine for just a moment there. You hear more and more in these days... If you turn on TBN and some of these stations, they always, you'll hear them all the time make the statement, Doctrine's not what is important. It's that all love one another and come together. And they put down doctrine and they say, We all have different doctrine. It really doesn't matter what our doctrine is. Everybody's one big family and we get along with one another. And they minimize doctrine. But I want you to listen to me tonight. Doctrine is essential to the believer's life. Doctrine is essential to the life of the church. Doctrine is not a minor thing. Doctrine is a major thing. But what does it mean when he talks about doctrine? Paul is talking, the word doctrine there, and you find it often in Paul's writing, it is another way of talking about teaching. When Paul talks about doctrine, he is talking about teaching. Now, this is what he said to Timothy till I get back. Now, you're in my place, and you're a young minister, but this is what I want you to do. One, I want you to give special attention to the public reading of the Word of God. Help the people to understand this is not any other ordinary book. This is the Word of God. So, therefore, when you read the Scripture, read it reverently. And when you read the scripture, make sure the people are aware this is the word of God. So give attention, give careful attention to the reading of the word, and then I want you to teach the word. In other words, what he said to them was, "I want you to read the scripture, and then I want you to teach the people the scripture you've read." Now, many of a sermon—that's what preaching's all about. I know many of a message start. It's, it, the text is a lot like the Star-Spangled Banner at a ball game. It gets it started, but it don't have anything to do with it from there on out. Now, I enjoy all kinds of preaching, but as far as I am concerned, preaching is this. It is reading the Scripture and then bringing people to an understanding of what you've just read. It is teaching the people what has been read to the people. That's doctrine. That's teaching of the Word of God. Go back to Nehemiah chapter 8 again. We look at this example, and you see this. In verses 1 through 5, there is the reading of the Scripture. And for six hours, the people are attentive as the Bible is read. They stand in reverence and acknowledgement of the Bible. But notice Nehemiah chapter 8 and verse 8. The Bible said, so they read in the book, in the law of God, distinctly and gave the sense and caused them to understand the reading. Now he's read to them the Word of God. Now Ezra helps them to understand what they've read. You see the word distinctly that is used there? The word distinctly there simply means to translate or to interpret. He read to them the Word of God and then he translated the Word of God or interpreted the Word of God to them. He read from the law of God and then went back and helped them to come to an understanding of what he had just read. In other words, he taught them the Word of God. He explained to them what he had just read. He explained to them what the Word of God was saying. Now, that Paul says to Timothy, Now, when you go to church, now, this is what I want you to do, make a big deal about the reading of the Bible. And then when you get, when you, after you read the Scripture, then you teach the people what you've just read. You teach them the Bible, teach them to understand, and help them to understand what you've just read from the Word of God. Now, that brings up the idea of learning. Now, my job as your preacher is this. My job as your preacher is not to entertain you. I am not an entertainer. If you want an entertainer, go get your comedian. And go get you an actor, go somewhere like that. But I am not in the entertainment business. And I'm in the business of, one, I've taken the Word of God, finding out during the week what it is that God wants what part of his Word, it's more than coming up with a sermon, but he's finding out from God what part of his Word do you want read to the people on Sunday. And then once I read that Word to you, I am to help you to understand the Scripture that I have read to you. Now, that's what preaching's all about. That's my job. That's my purpose. That's why God has put me here as your pastor, to teach you the Word of God. But that also bears upon you the responsibility of learning the Word of God. That means that the Word of God is to be taught to you so that you might learn the Bible. Now, when you come to church on Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night, this is what ought to happen. The Scripture has been read to you, a passage, a portion, a chapter, whatever it might be, And when you go home, you ought to be able to go home understanding that passage better than you did when you went there. However that passage is approached, however direction the preacher may choose to break that passage open, when you go home, you ought to go home knowing more about that verse or knowing more about that passage than you did when you went there. If you don't, then either I have failed or you have not listened. Either I have not done what God has put me here to do, or you didn't listen and you didn't learn. So what you're to do is to learn the Word of God. You are to learn the Scriptures. You are to grow in the Scriptures. Again, that puts a responsibility on both the preacher and the pastor. Every preacher is to labor in the Word and doctrine. Every preacher is to study the Word of God. Every preacher is to go through the Scriptures and look at the Scriptures and then get in the Scriptures and come to an understanding himself of what God is saying to bring his people to an understanding of it. That is my job. I am to labor in the Word of God to do that. I remember years ago, you remember Dr. Powell was here a number of times, and I love Dr. Powell, miss him so dearly. Hardly a day goes by that I don't think about Dr. Powell and one way or the other, his life and ministry and his books and so many things have have had such a big part in my life that I, again, I, there's hardly a day go by that his my his name doesn't cross my mind in one way or the other. But I remember one time we were sitting together at a table and there's a bunch of preachers sitting there talking, and one of them said, "Dr. Powell." And he said, why is it? And you remember Dr. Powell was from Wales, had a strong Welsh accent. Sometimes it was so strong, you had difficulty understanding what he was saying. Even talking to him one-on-one, there were times I wasn't quite sure what he said. And, but I remember that day they were talking, and one of them said, Dr. Powell, why is it that English preachers seem to say so much more than the average American preacher? And what they were referring to is the content and the depth of many of the English preachers. And they they said, Dr. Powell, why is that? And I'll never forget his answer. I'm so glad I didn't ask the question. He said, because English preachers have studies, American preachers have offices. I've never forgot that. I never forgot that. And, but he's talking about the importance of studying. But on the other hand, as a believer, you are to learn the Word of God. So one of the things that ought to take place when you come to church and how you look and what the Word of God in a church service is, you reverence the Word when it's read and then you learn the Word of God. You ought to have that spirit that says, I want to learn. And there's a final thing that you have in there. He not only talks about reading and he not only talks about doctoring But he also talks about exhortation. There is not only the listening to the Word and the learning of the Word, but there is the living or living the Word of God. Our living the Word of God. You see the word exhortation there? To exhort is to call for people to make an application. That's what he means when he talks about exhortation. The word sometimes described a warning. That is, you were to warn people and certain matters in view of judgment or in view of blessings, and then you were to challenge them to do something about the matter, to exhort them, to get them to make application of the matter. Now, this is what preaching is. Preaching is reading the Word of God and then helping the people to understand what you've just read to them and then challenging them to apply what you've just taught them. It is helping them to understand the Bible, come to an understanding of what God said, and then challenging them to do something about what they've just learned. You see, if all that you want to do is learn the Bible, then you have missed the whole purpose of the Word of God. God is not interested in just making theologians out of us. He's interested in making saints out of us. And he challenges, we are challenged to learn the Word of God and then apply the Word of God in our life, put it into practice in our life, and begin to live out the wonderful truth of the Word of God. Look in James chapter 1. James chapter 1, there's a couple of interesting verses there that carries this idea. James chapter 1, notice verse 21 and verse 22. James chapter 1, verse 21 and verse 22. He said in verse 21 of James 1, Wherefore, lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness and receive with meekness the engrafted word which is able to save your soul. Look at the word meekness for just a moment. The word, or look at the word receive there. The word receive that is used there is a word that speaks of Receiving someone or welcoming someone like you would a dear friend to your house. You've heard me explain it before. Be like a knock on your door. You open the door and there is somebody you haven't seen in a long time. Somebody you love, a good friend. And when you open the door, you know what you're going to do? You're going to swing open that door and you're going to throw your arms around them. You're going to welcome them into your home. Now he talked about receiving the Word of God. That is, you are to welcome the Word of God into your life. You are to receive the word of God into your life. That is, you, as you are taught the word of God, as you are helped to see what God is saying, then you open your heart and you welcome what you are learning into your life. You receive it into your life. Look at verse twenty-two of James one. He said, "But be ye doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves." Now again, he's talking about that you do something with the Bible. We put notes on the screen and outlines on the screen so you'll take notes because if you hear, see, and write, you'll retain it much, much better. That's why we're using every tool we can to touch every sense that you have so that what we give on Sunday it's not just going in one ear out the other, but it's staying with you. I know if I, if I want to try to memorize something, I want to remember, somebody asked me, how do you remember people's names? I say their names when they give me their names, and as a walk away, I write their name down because if I can say it and write it down, I'll have a better chance of retaining and remembering that name. And so we do all of that. But it's much more than you just writing it down and much more than you just getting the outline on the back of your bulletin. You do something with what you get. You are come to church and there is the Scripture is read and the Scripture is taught to you and then you do something with the Scripture that is taught to you. He said, receive it. Welcome it into your heart. And back in verse 21, you see the word meekness there. The word meekness there doesn't mean to be like a a little coward or, you know, real meek spirit or whatever. The word meekness is used there. It speaks of being submissive. You welcome the Word into your life. And you're submissive to what you're, being, what you're being taught. You become submissive to what you are hearing. The Word of God is read. The Word of God is explained. And you are challenged to do something with the Word. And your attitude ought to be, I want to receive it into my life and I am going to be submissive to what God is saying in His Word. Now, that's what you ought to do with the Word when you come to church. This is what I ought to do with the Word when I come to church. I ought to come to church and get up, to, get up here and read you God's Word. And once I read you the Word of God, then I ought to go back over that passage and help you to understand what we've just read. And then I am to challenge you to make application of what we learn, to try to teach you something every time we come, and then to get you to do something with it, to challenge you, say, this is what you do. This is what you ought to do. Apply this in your life. Welcome it into your life. That's what I ought to do. This is what you ought to do. You ought to listen. When the Word of God is read, you ought to stand in reverence and honor the Word of God and listen to it. It's God's Word. It's the Word of God. And then you learn. You welcome the Word of God into your life. And as you welcome the Word of God in your life, then you become submissive to what you learn and you begin to apply it in your life and you begin to use it in your life. Now, that's what we do with the Word of God when we come to church. Now, I know this. I like, all, I like, I like worship. I like praise. I like shouting. I like all of that. But I want you to understand something. Like you do not judge a service by how loud we shout it. You judge a service by what did we hear from God? That's how you judge a service. That's how you judge the depth of a service. That's how you measure a service. Did we get God's Word? Did we learn God's Word? Did we hear the Word of God? If the Word of God is preached and the Word of God is taught that I don't care if it's dead as pecker would, we had a good service. Because God had something to say to us. And we take that word and we put it in our life and we apply it in our life. And if we put it in our life and apply it in our life, it changes our life. Now, I don't get any better than that. And, of course, I am not mean don't shout. Have a good time. Run, jump. Do cartwheels if you want to. But the measure of a service... It's by the Word of God and learning the Word of God. You apply it. That's what Paul meant in Titus when he said, adorning the doctrine of God. Adorning the doctrine of God. The word adorn that is used there is a word that literally describes taking precious jewels and arranging them in such a way that they show their beauty. You go to a jewelry store and you say, I want to see a diamond. I really love my wife, and I want to buy her a $5,000 diamond. That's what you usually do. And so you say, "I, I want to see a diamond. And so what does he do? If it's not already on the counter there, usually a glass counter, they will lay a dark background on top of that glass, dark blue or black, and they'll take that diamond out, and they'll lay it down over that dark background. And, and all the jewels that are in there, they're all arranged in such a way they show their beauty. I remember going through uh, the Tower of London and seeing the crown jewels of England. You talk about, so I, listen, I was not interested in seeing jewels. I'd rather see a grave. And so, but anyway, I had Sherry with me. I thought, well, I'm going to do something out of the ordinary. I'm going to take her and let her see these things. I come out of there bug-eyed and shouting. And it was just a blessing, but I, it, was, it overwhelmed me. I just, just to walk through this, I, you, there's no way to describe it, to walk through there and see those jewels. They're displayed in such a way they show all of their beauty. Adorning the doctrine of God, that shows that the Word of God has done something in your life. Paul talked about the church at Thessalonica. He said, the Word worketh effectually in your life. It's not just getting a, saying, boy, that was good. Brother Ken jumped five foot today. Wasn't that a good sermon? Oh, no, 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 no. I got something from the Word of God. And he got it in my life and it helped me. It helped me to see something. It helped me in my living for Christ. That's adorning the Word of God, applying the Word of God. That's what you do with the Bible when you come to church. So every time you come to church, you ought to expect this out of me. Brother Ken's going, when he gets up, he's going to read the Bible and he's going to tell us what that passage means and he's going, to help, he's going to challenge us to do something about it. That's what you expect out of me. Now, this is what I expect out of you. Can I get an amen right here? I expect you to listen. I expect you to learn. And then I expect you to live what you learn. Can I get another amen right there? That's what you do with the Word of God in church. Look at your prayer sheet, if you would, please. Our prayer sheet, our prayer time tonight, I want you to look at our prayer sheet. Our missionary of the week is George Trask in Sand Mountain Bible Camp. We love Brother George, love the ministry, of Sand Mountain Bible Camp, and always a joy to have him here, a friend of this church. And, and of course, you know Miss Trask went home to be with the Lord And uh, back a few months ago. Brother Trask, I saw him right after Christmas. He told me, Uh, sweet story he said uh, he told me about their new grandchild whatever and he told told me about a custom they'd always done in their family how every year every time a new grandchild would come along they would put an ornament on there and have the baby's name it was his first Christmas and what they did for Miss Trash this year is they put one on there for her first Christmas in heaven and but it's a great. But anyway, you want to remember them, pray for them, and because it's a long grieving process for all of them. Our church of the week's not actually a church. Uh, Brother Wilbur Hurt. Uh, last time I saw him, he gained enough weight he could be a church building. Tell, you tell him I said that, Amen. But no, we wanted, I wanted to put Brother Hurt's name on here. Of course, he's coming to be with us in March. Always here the last Sunday of March and our spring revival. But particularly want to remember him in prayer. I talked to him Saturday, called Saturday, and, and wanted us to pray especially for his wife, Joe. She's been having some liver problems, and they're not sure what is going on. I think she's going back for some further tests this week, and they seem to be very concerned about it. And so I assured him that we would pray for him and pray for Sister Joe. So when we come in just a moment, I want you to remember our Missionary of the Week and uh, George Trash, Sam Mountain Bible Camp. Of course, Brother Hurt, let's pray for him. And then in the hospital list, Alex Padgett got to go home this afternoon. We want to continue to pray for him. Uh, Miss Gilbert is in Memorial Hospital. She'll be having gallbladder surgery tomorrow. Quim Hudgens is in there. She has uh, pneumonia. And, of course, Brother Bobby's uh, daughter, Barbara, will to continue to pray for her. And then Rhonda Perry's little nephew, Evan Franklin, is at Tri-County. Billy Jackson at Erlanger Hospital, Kenneth McEwen. And then Nevada Creek Jeffries is at Children's Hospital. And then Jack Kendall at Vanderbilt. They're doing some tests there. So all of, all of you that will, let's come just gather around the altar. And I want you to do these three things. I want you to pray for uh, Brother Trask, Brother Hurt, and then I want you to ask God to help you to be a learner and a liver of the Word of God. As we sing, come on right now in Jesus' name. Let's gather around the altar and take these things to the Lord. Our Father, tonight in Jesus' name, we thank you for the power of prayer. We thank you, Lord, for the power of collective prayer where two or three are gathered together, the power of people joining their hearts together in prayer. And, Father, we come on these Wednesday nights every week to remember the work of God and the workers of God. Father, we thank you for what you do here, but we are mindful that your work is not just limited here but to other places. And we want to be a part of what you're doing around the world through prayer. We pray tonight for Brother Trask. Thank you so much for Brother Trask. Thank you so much for Sand Mountain Bible Camp. What a blessing it's been to this church. Thank you, Lord, for uh, this dear family and how they have served you and followed you. Father, I pray you bless them tonight. I pray, Lord, that you continue to bless them as they move on without Mrs. Trask. She was such an important part of the ministry. But bless them and be with them. I pray you continue to strengthen their hearts. Father, we pray tonight for Brother Hurt. Thank you for him. Father, we can never this side of eternity thank you enough for allowing our paths to cross. What a blessing he has been. I thank you so much for his friendship. Tonight we come to you on behalf of his wife, Jo. Father, I know that most in the room, probably everyone, have never met Miss Hurt. But, Father, we love her because of our love for Brother Hurt. And, Father, as we cry out to you tonight, you know the physical need that she has. Father, I pray you'd be with them. I pray you would touch. I know that your will would be done. But I pray you'd be with them, and I pray you'd watch over them and meet every need. Father, we just pray now you bless Brother Hurt and prepare his heart as well as our hearts for the meeting coming up in a few weeks. I pray you bless it. May we experience a wonderful visitation from the Lord. Father, we pray tonight for our folks that are in the hospital, for those who have gone home, for those who are still there. (coughs) Father, we pray you bless them and you know the needs. And I pray you'd watch over them and touch them and just work in their hearts and their lives as well as their bodies. Give grace where grace is needed. Give encouragement where encouragement is needed. We pray, Lord, if it be your will to bring healing to those who have special needs. Pray for those having surgery tomorrow those who have tests i pray you be with them father we ask you today to continue to bless all the special requests that we have and watch over them and work in them many of them involve loved ones that are unsaved i pray god for their salvation for, for those who have spiritual needs we pray for the meeting of those needs as well as the meeting of their physical needs all of these special requests we lift up to you father you are god And we thank you for your ability to move. And so, Father, we come tonight on the basis of the shed blood of Jesus Christ asking you to work in these things. Glorify your name in the answering of them. And we'll bless you for it. On the Lord's Day, we pray you bless. I pray you bless, Brother Sam. I pray that Sunday will be a day that will enrich our families and enrich our lives as mothers and fathers and husbands and wives. I pray you'll visit us on the Lord's Day and just give us wonderful truths that we can apply to our lives and our homes so father bless bless friday night and saturday those that will be in the classes i pray you'll bless them father i pray you just continue to move here thank you for what you're doing bless our upcoming projects supply every need we have for those we pray you bless thank you for how you've supplied in the past and we trust you that you'll be honored in this and that you'll supply every need. Stir us now. Bless tomorrow night as our faith teams go out. I pray you'd open hearts to the gospel. I pray you'd open doors. Thank you, Lord, for the people that were here Sunday that were visited last week by our faith teams. I pray, dear God, that every Sunday we'll see fruit in this service as a result of those who have made this commitment in their lives and this dedication. So I pray you bless tomorrow night our faith teams as they go out. So, Father, continue to bless this ministry. Give it to you. Lift it up to you. It's yours. I pray you'll be honored in every little detail. For it's in the name of Jesus Christ we pray and ask these things. Amen. Are you glad you are